Welcome to Clinical Neurology Podcast where you will learn over 12 episodes how to localize a lesion in neurology based on history taking and physical examination. The podcast is meant for medical students and to make them enjoy learning neurology. Medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry, critical care, neurology residents, general practitioners and nurse practitioners will find it beneficial. Study materials and clinical resources for the podcast are available in show description and at neurologyteachingclub.com website. I am your host Dr. Krishnadas NC and let's get started. In the last episode, we learned how to approach a case of weakness. We learned that the first step is to make sure that there is true weakness. Once you are sure that there is true weakness, The next step is to see if it's upper motor neuron or lower motor neuron type of weakness based on bulk, tone, distribution of weakness, reflex and presence or absence of fasciculation. Hemiplegia or weakness of one side of the body is a functional deficit which is unless otherwise proved upper motor neuron type. This is because for hemiplegia the lesion is in the pyramidal tract above C5 level which is upper motor neuron. The lower motor neuron disease is unlikely to affect one side of body alone. Why should muscle neuromuscular junction root nerve involve one side only? Lower motor neuron disorders like motor neuron disease can rarely produce asymmetrical weakness mimicking hemiplegia but they are rare. For all practical purpose hemiplegia may be considered as upper motor neuron problem. This makes hemiplegia a very straightforward case for undergraduate exam and is often kept for the same. It's very important for medical students to have a good idea regarding the localization of hemiplegia. As already mentioned, the lesion in hemiplegia is in pyramidal tract above C5. The terms pyramidal tract, corticospinal tract and upper motor neuron are often used interchangeably, but there is some difference between them. The neurons from which the corticospinal tract and corticobulbar tract arise is called upper motor neuron. The pyramidal tract name comes from fibers that travel through medullary pyramids which mostly contain corticospinal tract. Strictly speaking, corticobulbar fibers which are upper motor neuron fibers to motor cranial nerve nuclei will not be included when we use the term pyramidal fibers and corticospinal tract. However, a better term is not there for voluntary descending motor pathway so all three are often used interchangeably. It's important to know the anatomy of corticospinal and corticobulbar tract very well to localize hemiplegia. The purposive movements are initiated and performed by corticospinal tract. It primarily integrates fine discrete skilled distal movements. It was initially thought that the pyramidal fibers are formed by axons of giant pyramidal cells of beds in lamina 5 of primary motor cortex. but only 3% of fibers arise from bed cells these are largely heavily myelinated axon that conduct rapidly only 30% of the fibers in corticospinal tract is formed from primary motor cortex that is area 4 of precentral gyrus the rest of the fibers arise from supplementary motor cortex premotor cortex and also from postcentral sensory cortex The primary motor cortex is connected with opposite motor cortex, supplementary motor cortex, premotor cortex and postcentral sensory cortex. 
the supplementary motor cortex is associated with preparation and planning of movement which is executed by primary motor cortex. The primary motor cortex receives fibers from cerebellum through the posterior division of ventrolateral nucleus of the thalamus. The cerebellum plays an important role in fine-tuning of movements through this pathway with the help of information regarding joint position sense it receives from limbs through spinocerebellar pathway. It acts like a conductor of orchestra by modulating the contraction of agonist and antagonist so that the movements have grace and there is no ataxia though it is not directly involved in the motor pathway. The basal ganglia also modulate the motor pathway through the thalamocortical connection. We will discuss these in detail when we discuss cerebellum and extrapyramidal system. Motor homunculus represents the localization of function within the primary motor cortex. Corticospinal system is phylogenetically new and it is only fully evolved in human beings and apes. The phylogenetic development of speech and complex hand function results in larger area for tongue, mouth, lip, thumb and fingers in the motor homunculus. The leg area in motor homunculus extends into medial surface of frontal lobe where it forms part of anterior part of paracentral lobule which has important role in bowel and bladder function. The medial surface of brain containing the leg area of motor homunculus is supplied by anterior cerebral artery while the lateral surface is supplied by middle cerebral artery. This has lo clinical localization significance. The corticospinal tract are excitatory and mostly use glutamate as neurotransmitter. It ascends in corona radiator to reach anterior two-third of posterior limb of internal capsule. In the internal capsule, the fibers to upper extremity is arranged more anteriorly close to corticobulbar fibers which travel in the genu of internal capsule. The corticospinal fibers then ascends down in the middle three-fifths of cerebral pedangle in midbrain, basis pondis and medullary pyramids. At the lower end of medulla, 75% to 90% of fibers cross over to opposite side to form lateral corticospinal tract in the spinal cord. The 10% fibers that doesn't cross over to opposite side form the anterior corticospinal tract in the ventral funiculus of spinal cord. Most of these fibers cross over to opposite side at the lower segmental level as they further descend in anterior column of spinal cord. About 2% of fibers remain ipsilateral known as bundle of bands and supply axial muscles of trunk and proximal limb muscles. The corticobulbar fibers arise from lower third of motor homunculus and descends in corona radiata and genu of internal capsule to reach brainstem. In the midbrain, it is in medial part of cerebral pedangle and in basis pondis, it is intermixed with corticospinal tract. All motor cranial nerves receive corticobulbar fibers from bilateral motor cortex except lower part of face which receives corticobulbar fibers only from contralateral motor cortex. That is why lower part of opposite face alone is affected in lesions involving motor cortex, corona radiata or internal capsule. The other cranial nerves are spared as they get 50% of their fibers from the unaffected side. So a patient with right internal capsule lesion will have left hemiplegia with left upper motor neuron facial palsy as the lower face get its upper motor neuron fibers only from opposite side. The left lower part of face alone is affected and the facial palsy is on the same side of hemiplegia and facial deviation is to the opposite side of hemiplegia. 
the eye closure will be normal as the upper part has bilateral representation all other motor cranial nerves lose 50% of their upper motor innervation but they will be asymptomatic as the rest 50% takes up the function so what are the possible sites of localization of hemiplegia in hemiplegia the functional deficit is obvious the patient will tell that he has weakness of one side the various sites for localization of hemiplegia include motor cortex of opposite side corona radiata of opposite side internal capsule of opposite side brain stem of opposite side including midbrain pons and medulla cervical cord c1 to c5 on the same side as the pyramidal fibers crosses over at the lower part of medulla ipsilateral cervical cord causing hemiplegia is very rare this is because ischemia one of the common etiology will not cause hemiplegia in cervical cord as a single central anterior spinal artery supply both sides rarely unilateral demyelination or compressive lesions can produce ipsilateral hemiparesis absent facial deviation is the clue absent facial deviation need not always be a cervical cord lesion medullary lesions and lesions in corona radiata can spare facial fibers respiratory weakness and decreased sensation in c2 c3 dermatome are often other clues of a cervical cord involvement cervical cord lesion producing hemiplegia is very rare and need not be considered routinely in the differential diagnosis brainstem a brainstem lesion causing hemiplegia produces a crossed hemiplegia this means cranial nerve palsy on the side of lesion and hemiplegia on the opposite side as the corticospinal tract fibers crosses over to opposite side at the lower part of medulla the location in brainstem is determined by cranial nerve which is involved midbrain third and fourth pons fifth sixth seventh and eighth medulla ninth tenth and twelfth the side is determined by which side the cranial nerve is involved and hemiplegia will be on the opposite side so a right midbrain lesion will cause right third cranial nerve palsy and left hemiplegia similarly if a patient has right 12th cranial nerve involvement and left hemiplegia the hemiplegia is crossed as cranial nerve is on one side and hemiplegia is on opposite side suggesting that it is a brainstem lesion the lesion is in medulla as 12th cranial nerve is in medulla it will be in right medulla as 12th is involved on the right side and hemiplegia will be on opposite side motor cortex motor cortex lesion will produce hemiplegia and upper motor neuron facial palsy of opposite side along with cortical features the main cortical features include aphasia with left cortical lesion and inattention and neglect with right cortical lesion aphasia is a language dysfunction where patient will have difficulty with speech comprehension fluency naming repetition reading and writing neglect and inattention are acquired asymmetry in the processing of information from one side of body or space a patient with sensory inattention will perceive stimuli when touched on right and left side separately but on touching both sides simultaneously will perceive stimuli from right side only right hemiplegia with right upper motor neuron facial palsy along with aphasia suggest a left cortical lesion left hemiplegia with left upper motor neuron facial palsy and left side neglect suggest right cortical lesion other cortical features include anosognosia apraxia acalculia cortical sensory loss prosopagnosia visual agnosia etc which we will discuss in detail when we discuss the functions of various lobes of brain if the patient has no cortical features or crossed cranial nerve palsy 
the lesion is in either internal capsule or corona radiata in internal capsule lesion patient will be having hemiplegia and humn facial palsy of opposite side the weakness will be proportionate in upper limb and lower limb which means the grade of weakness is same in upper limb and lower limb this is because the corticospinal fibers are compactly packed in anterior two third of posterior limb of internal capsule and a small lesion there will affect all fibers equally there won't be any cortical features or cranial nerve involvement other than opposite side upper motor neuron facial palsy right internal capsule lesion will produce left hemiplegia with equal weakness in upper limb and lower limb with left umn facial palsy facial deviation to right and left eye closure normal in corona radiata lesion patient will be having hemiplegia and upper motor neuron facial palsy of opposite side there won't be any cortical features or cranial nerve involvement other than the opposite side upper motor neuron facial palsy it's different from internal capsule in that there is disproportionate weakness in upper and lower limbs that means weakness grade is different in upper limb and lower limb since the corticospinal tract fibers are widely separated in corona radiata unlike in internal capsule where they are very close to each other a small lesion is more likely to involve some some fibers more than others in corona radiata right corona radiata lesion will produce left hemiplegia with left upper motor neuron facial palsy with facial deviation to right and left eye closure normal the weakness will be more in upper limb than lower limb or vice versa etiology once you know the anatomical site of localization of hemiplegia the next step is to identify the etiology other concurrent illness temporal evolution of disease and past history often gives a clue to the etiology for example acute onset hemiplegia in a patient with multiple vascular risk factors suggests a stroke subacutely involving hemiplegia in a patient with past history of brain tumor may suggest a recurrence a waxing and waning hemiplegia in a elderly with recent fall may suggest a subdural hematoma stroke is the commonest cause for acute onset hemiplegia and it can be due to thrombosis of blood vessel hemorrhage or embolism an early morning stroke which evolves over hours in a patient with multiple risk factors may suggest an ischemic stroke due to thrombosis an acute onset hemiplegia when patient is straining associated with headache may suggest a bleed an hemiplegia which is maximum at onset and improving rapidly in a patient with risk factors like atrial fibrillation or valvular heart disease suggest an embolic stroke though history can give a clue an imaging is often required to confirm the etiology the imaging will also help to check whether our anatomical localization from history and physical examination was correct before we finish let's revise what we discussed in this session in a hemiplegia the patient will tell the function deficit the anatomical sites of localization include motor cortex corona radiata internal capsule and brain stem of opposite side of the body if the patient has cortical features like aphasia or neglect the localization is in motor cortex the patient has a cross cranial nerve palsy the localization is in brain stem if there are no cortical features or cranial nerve involvement other than upper motor neuron facial palsy on the same side of hemiplegia the localization is in internal capsule or corona radiata if the hemiplegia is proportionate with equal involvement of upper and lower limb the localization is in internal capsule and if it's disproportionate with upper limb more than lower limb or vice versa the localization is in corona radiata
Thanks for listening to Clinical Neurology Podcast. Kindly subscribe and review if you found it useful. You can follow Neurology Teaching Club Instagram account for exclusive figures of this podcast and visit our website neurologyteachingclub.com for more resources. The podcast and online content are meant for medical education only and should not be used to guide clinical decision making and treatment. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast or wherever you get your ear candy. It's Katie signing off and until we meet next time, spread knowledge.